Hey, happy Valentine's Day to all of you Locked On Razorback podcast listeners out there. I'm going to tell you about the things that I really love. Well, mainly just one big thing, and that's spring football. I love spring football. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Valentine's Day. And uh, I know that it's a, a very opinionated holiday for most of you and for most of us. But still, it's Valentine's Day and it's still a lot of things to talk about. And something that I think is is fun and, uh, you know, just kind of to see how people feel about it. But I really am excited about spring football and I know that we're in the middle of basketball season and I know that baseball season is starting up this week and I'm going to be down there in Dallas or Arlington, however you want to put it, uh, for the college baseball showdown. So I know that's a lot of on, on people's minds, but I feel like spring football kind of gets a bad rap because I was talking to a few individuals yesterday and I have a lot of group text and group DMs and, you know, just friends of mine or people that or uh, in the no media people, whatever it may be. And the topic got on as far as how people view spring practice and spring football in college. And I've always been somebody who's really enjoyed it for what it is. I don't buy into it as far as, okay, well, based on what we see in the spring, that's how we know the, how the fall is going to go. I don't put stock in it as far as how it's going to dictate my opinions on the matter or anything like that. The thing I love about it is just because it's football in the spring and it's something that we can talk about and look at and get a chance to see some of these new players that have enrolled early. Some of these transfers get to see how the new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators handling things, get to hear from coaches. Like there's just a lot of things that go on with spring football that I'm excited about and I'm interested in and intrigued by. And again, I know it's not for everybody. And I know that some of you are going to be so involved with basketball and baseball that you're not really going to care, or maybe you're still sour about how it all ended up last year. You know, whatever it may be, I get it, totally get it. But I'm going to tell you why I love spring football and, and some of the things that I'm excited about for uh, this upcoming spring season for the Razorbacks specifically. I can tell you that the way last year ended, as we all know, was very disappointing. Last year should have been a season where Arkansas won at least nine games, at least. Nine games. And I'm including a bowl in there, too. They they should have been able to build upon the 2021 season, which was so successful. And so many people were hyping up Arkansas and they had such a great ending to the year. Like everything was going the way that it needed to go. And that was considering Arkansas had one of the most difficult schedules in the country. Uh, they had you know only lost to Bama by a touchdown, lost to Ole Miss on one point. And those were the two teams that finished first and second in the West. Everything was going so smoothly. And then this past year just felt like, for all the reasons we've discussed, it came toppling down. Injuries played a huge role into it. Uh, seemed like there was locker room issues that were playing a huge role into it. And even a lot of us who you know kept thinking that this was going to turn around or maybe it was going to get better, we started to kind of see, okay, there's more going on here internally than maybe we even realize. And that was a direct result of what you started seeing on the field and the problems that were rising from the field itself. So... We all know how it ended, and it was disappointing. And for some of you, it may be tough to really get excited about spring or at least excited about the upcoming season because of that fact. 
maybe it's because you're so sour. Maybe because you don't have a lot of faith in Sam Pittman anymore. Or maybe the new coordinator hires didn't exactly uh, get you all pumped up and excited about what they're going to bring to the table. Maybe the transfer portal uh, gets didn't really hype you up. Maybe the recruiting cycle didn't hype you up. Maybe you felt like you lost too much out of the portal. You know, there's going to be a bunch of various reasons as to why you may not be excited about the upcoming season. And honestly, I'm not going to argue with you on a lot of these things. I'll have my opinion on it. But there are some things that I feel like are legitimate criticisms or legitimate concerns that Arkansas has heading into the 2023 year. But the one thing that I'm always going to be excited about in spring is that there's no wins and losses in spring. People say that, oh, well, you know, that's the what gives you the direct result of how, how you perform in spring, gets you ready for the fall. Okay, yes, in that type of uh, comparison, yes, it is true. But as far as wins and losses that actually matter, that are on the field, of, of people who are going to predict what you're going to do or where you're going to be placed in the SEC West or top 25 or anything, none of that goes on in spring. So there's really no pressure in spring. You get to kind of just see how it plays out, how it goes, how it's working and all the changes that are made because that's really the time where you get to see the changes the first time you get a chance to see how things have been adjusted how things have been moved around whatever it may be and sometimes it's small scale sometimes it's large scale you know like last year for spring the really big question that arkansas had was who's going to replace Traylon burks how's the wide receivers going to look because you return virtually everybody on the team at least offensively and then defensively you, you lost a few key pieces, but you added in some big-time players, so you felt like the defense would be better. Catalan was back, so it's just like there were a few things that were different, but for the most part, you kind of knew what the team was, who the quarterback was, coordinators, all that stuff. But this year, it's quite a different thing because at least you're keeping your quarterback with K.J. Jefferson, which we'll talk about later in the show, but you have a new offensive coordinator who is different from Kendall Bryles and a new defensive coordinator that is different from Barry Odom. You got new staff, you got new coaches, you got new strength and conditioning coach that's in there too. You have a, a lot of new faces, guys that have left, but guys that have stepped up, guys that have come in. Uh, the wide receiver group, you pretty much lost the majority of your wide receivers when now you got a new group in there. You lost some of your big time offensive linemen that were so pivotal to the success of the team. Well, you got some new people in there. D-line, same thing, new people. Linebacker, same thing, new people. Like you have new people all around and uh, especially in the secondary, you have new people. So lots of newness going on. And I'm going to be curious to see when we get a chance to, at least from the media perspective, watch some of these practices, watch some of these, uh, you know, deals that we can go to, listen to some of the press conferences, hear about who's doing what and everything. I'm fascinated by that because, yeah, if like if you ask Coach Pittman or some coach, hey, how's this player coming along? He's not really going to bash him. But I think Pittman has always done a really good job of saying, you know, He's got some things that he needs to work on. And these are some things like we need to work on. So it's not like he comes out firing and just bashing a kid, but it's also not like he comes out and says, oh, he's perfect. He's fine. He's going to be the best player we've ever seen. So he has a nice little middle ground there when it comes to how he approaches the players. But we're going to get to see exactly how does Dan Enos, for instance, coach with KJ. Now, we've seen him before already at Arkansas when he was under Brett Bielema. We know that. But how is he going to approach KJ Jefferson and this offense? Is he going to work on different things that KJ has never worked on before? Is he going to adjust some things in KJ's game that has needed to be adjusted but hasn't really been that way? Is he going to adjust the, the whole mentality of the offense itself, how it's run, uh, what's their targets, who they really like? Like all those things, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes about it because we saw how Kendall Bryles did it. 
We saw how he developed and how he went about it. But how is KJ going to do that and take that next step? And on, and on top of that, how is Dan Enos going to handle actually having a quarterback room that seems to be a, a huge upgrade from what it was last year? Because, again, you have not only KJ Jefferson, but you added in Jacoby Criswell, the transfer, and you also added in uh, Malachi Singleton, another big-time freshman player. So you got three quarterbacks right there that are already, I think, above and beyond what you had from last year. So how is he, he going to manage that? How, how are they going to do the reps? Because if there's one thing that I can at least guarantee about Dan Enos in the offense, and I couldn't maybe necessarily uh, guarantee this last year, but and I really can't guarantee a whole lot more because, again, we have to wait and see. But one thing I will guarantee about Dan Enos is you're not going to have, if KJ gets hurt, let's not hope that doesn't happen, but if KJ gets hurt, that you're going to have incompetent quarterback play coming in right after him. I don't think that's going to happen under Dan Enos at all. When Dan Enos was at Arkansas before, when Brandon Allen went out, Austin Allen came in and did pretty well. Even when Austin Allen got hurt, say what you want about, but Colt Kelly actually came in and won a game for Arkansas, went on the road against Ole Miss and won it. So it wasn't like he was completely and totally out of sorts. Like he was actually a, a serviceable backup and ended up having a really nice career in college too. So you're going to have that element to it. And then on the defensive side of the ball, how are they going to be coached up? Because now you not only do you have a new coordinator, you got a pretty much an entire new staff. Everybody's new except for Deke Adams. He's the one that stuck around. But everybody else, linebacker coach, safety coach, cornerbacks coach, coordinator, everybody is new on that side of the ball. And with that, you have a lot of new additions in the players-wise, but you also have a lot of players coming back. You got a few of your defensive linemen coming back. You got uh, a few secondary guys that are important, like Dwight McLaughlin. You got uh, Quincy McAdoo. You got Hudson Clark coming back. And then, and, you know, in the safety position, you added some pieces, which was the one that you desperately needed the most help by far was dealing with the safety position. And he added some pieces there too. So you, you've done some things here and there to be able to have some players come back to at least work with them. But how are they going to do with scheming? How are they going to do with energy? How are they going to uh, function as far as going along with the strengths of this team? That's going to be the key. I'm not worried about the offense next year, folks. I'm not saying it'll be perfect. I'm not saying it'll be the best one in ever. But I'm not worried about it. Because you have KJ Jefferson, you have Rocket Sanders, all your running backs are back. You got some really good wide receivers that came out of the portal. You got some tight ends. Hopefully, utilize some tight ends this year that I feel like you're going to be better at that position already. And even the offensive line, you lost some key guys, but with Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy, they're coaching the offensive line. I think no matter what, you're going to have a solid one. So I'm not worried about the offense as much as I am the defense. So how is Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson and all these guys going to come in and immediately try to make this defense better? And more energized because they can't get much worse than what they were last year, especially in the secondary. But how do you do that? What's the what's the key to that? So I'll be excited to see how all that plays out. But the whole point is this, folks, and strength and conditioning will be fun because I think Souders is he's a wild man. He seems like a maniac, which is kind of like the strength and conditioning coach that I would really like to have. But it comes down to this. I I love we all love football. We all love football. We all love Razorback football. We all love watching Razorback football. And we all want to see the Razorback football team do as best as it possibly can each and every year. There's nothing too crazy about that. And it's nothing too out of the ordinary to want for something like that to happen. But the question becomes, as far as how good can they be? How will they approach the game itself? Because this is a big year for Sam Pittman. This might be the most important spring practice Sam Pittman has ever had at Arkansas. He hasn't had many, but this might be the most important one. Because if they don't take some steps, they went six and six last year. Okay. This upcoming schedule this year, I believe is easier. I believe the schedule is easier. I do. And some of you are going to look at the road schedule and all that. I'm like, no, no, no. The non-conference schedule for sure is easier. All right. 
going on the road to Florida, Florida doesn't scare me. They're not a good team. And they won last year and they got a lot of problems. Your road, other road games are at Ole Miss, at Bama, and at LSU. Well, you're not going to beat Bama no matter where you play them, for one. LSU, not to say that you'll win, but, I mean, they're a good team. But even if that's games at home on the road, I'm still not going to like your chances. But Ole Miss, they don't scare me either. And then you have home games since Mississippi State with a new coach. Don't know how he's going to do. You got Hugh Freeze at home with Auburn. Don't know how he's going to do. And for all that is holy, please beat Missouri at home because I'm sick and tired of losing to those clowns. So if you do that, I mean, you have a great and easier schedule. So this is a very important year where Sam Pittman has to win more games than what he did last year. He went seven and six. This year, I feel like at minimum, you have to go eight and five. At minimum, including a bowl game. Minimum. And then if that, and if you don't do that, then that's a problem. That's a problem. Because you can't, you got to be able to have a better year this year than what you did last year. And that's what it really all comes down to. We're going to talk a little Razorback basketball here in just a second, folks. But hey, if you're looking for a delicious treat, especially here on Valentine's Day, if I don't want all those fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. And when we go through the holidays, I know that's always tough, especially when all the sweets and candy for, uh, for Valentine's Day comes around and all the chocolates. It's really easy to just dive into those and uh, eat those like crazy. I get it. I totally get it. But here's the thing. When you get Built Bar, though, they taste incredible. They taste like candy bars almost. Like, that's what it tastes like. But it doesn't have the insane amount of sugar or the high amount of calories that a candy bar does. It has 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and they have different flavors to choose from. And it's covered in 100% chocolate. So it's pretty much like a Valentine's Day candy bar. So you can be able to check it out that way, too. doesn't matter. Whatever you want. Whatever you want for, for on the go. If you want it for surprising somebody in their Valentine's gift basket, no matter what it is. Built Bar is for you. And if you go to Built.com, you can see all the different flavors that they have to choose from. You can also order from there. But you can also get them at your local Walmart and Sam's Club, which we know we love here in the state of Arkansas. So check it out. Built.com, Built Bar at your local Sam's Club and Walmart. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You are locked on Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so continuing on with the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, I'll go with basketball because I know that uh, people are really uh, you know interested about basketball. And Eric Musselman met with the media yesterday and talked about uh, the final three weeks and the importance of them and what they got to do. And uh, here's what he had to say uh, dealing with the rest of the season. Every game is magnified from here on out. We have three weeks left in this season. Uh, when And it's our job to try to do everything we can to win as many games as we can with a very difficult schedule. Um, so that's, that's what we have to do. That's, that's, that's our main concern. Our main concern is how do we uh, win as many as we possibly can over this three week, six game segment. Now he doesn't say anything too crazy, you know, cause he's just saying, he's like, we got to win as many as possible, which is kind of the goal for every Everybody, but I think basically with that loss to Mississippi State, it changed a lot of things in the regard of your margin for error. You know, because even going into yeah, the Mississippi State game last week, Arkansas was a team that everybody had in the NCAA tournament. Joe Lenardi had him in the NCAA tournament. It didn't seem like it was even a question. There was a lot of excitement about it, but you also had room for error. You had room for error. And I'm not to say that you only lose one game and that's it, but you could drop one more game you should win and still be okay. And unfortunately for Arkansas, that was Mississippi State at home. Like it happened right off the bat. And now the margin of error is basically nil. It's zilch. 
Joe Lenardi said that if Arkansas wins all of their home games the rest of the way, which is, of course, against Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky, all very winnable games at home, if they do that but go 0-3 on the road, Arkansas will make the NCAA tournament. So if they go 3-3 three and three with their three road games, uh, go 0-3 there, and their three home games go 3-0, and they are still in the NCAA tournament heading into the SEC tournament. Now, that's not something that – I mean, again, Joe Lenardi knows his stuff, but that's he's not the one that's picking the teams. You want to be able to leave all doubt to the side. You don't want to be able to be in that position to where uh, you have to worry about whether or not you make the NCAA tournament uh, based on what somebody says. So you got to be able to not only win. I think you got to win four. I think you got to win your three home games and win one more on the road. And it's just unfortunate because the final three road games for Arkansas are against the top three teams in the SEC all on the road. Like could not ask for a more difficult schedule down the stretch. And even teams like Kentucky and Florida, those are two teams that are going to try to be fighting for a final push into the NCAA tournament, and it could come down to those games that they play against Arkansas. So it's not going to be easy whatsoever. They got to get it done. But the changes have to come along with it there too. And Muss even alluded to it a little bit more when he was talking about Nick Smith. He's like, we're having to do something that other teams in the country are not really having to do. We're having to integrate somebody late into the season back into our lineup that we know is pivotal to our success and figure out his minutes, figure out him getting him back into the into the uh, fold and being able to get him the minutes that he needs to continue on to be great there too. So it's a very complicated thing. It's a very complicated thing, and I trust Musk to be able to do it. But it is true that they are going through and dealing with some things that, I mean, how many other places out there this year in college basketball are having to integrate a lottery pick back into their lineup that hadn't played in an SEC play all, hadn't played in the past 12 games? You know, not many... People are having to deal with that. Arkansas is. So it's not an excuse. It's just something they're having to figure out and they're having to do. And the, and the really tough schedule does not help their cause whatsoever. In fact, it makes it so much worse, it feels like. It makes it so much more difficult. But still, I trust Musk. I trust Musk to get it done. I think the changes are going to be okay. I think that they're going to uh, be able to finish a lot stronger. And they always bounce back pretty well after a bad loss. Uh, even in the games that where if they lost two in a row, which they did, they started one in five. But I always felt like, uh, in most cases, the next week, they always played a little bit better. So I expect them to play better against AM. And if they beat AM on the road, that erases the Mississippi State loss. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, balancing it out, that erases that loss. So that's at least a good thing. And that's good news there, too. But they got to get it done. They got to take care of business. And it's going to be a tough one against Texas AM there tomorrow. Uh, we'll close up shop and uh, get to one of the questions that were asked to me by uh, one of you fans on social media here in just a second. But folks, I got to tell you about FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, Arkansas's, er, Arkansas number and America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. doesn't matter. They have all different types of spreads and money lines and everything to go along with it, too. That's what makes it so great is that when you check it out, it's an app that's easy to use. You can be fun about it where you go with parlays and props, or you can just be basic when it comes to spreads and money lines. No matter what it is, they're going to have you covered. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with that same game parlay. So it's not even just, oh, I got this team and this team and this team. You can do it all in the same gate too. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I got a question yesterday I thought was pretty fascinating that uh, from someone on Twitter about KJ Jefferson. And I know that there is, uh, you know, again, so many other things going on. A lot of you probably haven't thought about this, but I wanted to answer the question because I thought it was a, a pretty fascinating one just about KJ Jefferson in general and what to expect out of him this year and kind of where he ranks among all time uh, quarterbacks at Arkansas, which I think is tough to do at this point in time. You know, it's so early in everything that you don't want to just go out and do a crazy thing, but this comes from Cody. So I wanted to make sure I give him a shout out. But Cody says, you should do a segment rating the all-time Hog quarterbacks and where KJ ranks for you right now and where he could rank at the end of the next year if he has a good season. So um, this is controversial because I think the last time I did this, people got so mad at me. But hey, it's my opinion. It's my opinion. Um, to me, the number one quarterback in Razorback football history is Ryan Mallett. And some people say that's recency bias. Some people say that, uh, you know, somebody from way back when that had more accomplishments as a team may be there. But when I'm talking about Talent-wise, Ryan Mallett, to me, had the most talent. And he was in the perfect system with Petrino. And he, he just, you know, he was great. I mean, he could throw the ball anywhere across the field. He had a rocket for an arm. He, he was so smart, football sense, and football savvy. To me, he's the best quarterback of all time in Arkansas history. After Ryan Mallett, though, that's where things start to get a little bit funny because it depends, again, on who you're looking at and what you're doing. Some people will have, like, Matt Jones in there. Um, maybe Joe Ferguson too, and because he played way back in uh, the seventies, which I could understand if people want to go to to that route there too. But as far as just quarterbacks go and, and putting them in a game and, you know, giving them a chance to win, I honestly would probably put in, I just changes. I think it's my, probably Matt Jones, maybe if I'm talking about winning a game, but if I'm talking about quarterback skill itself, I mean, man, Brandon Allen was a really good quarterback skill set wise. He was a really good quarterback. And, uh, and he's proven it because he's still in the NFL and he's the backup for Joe Burrow. So I think he was uh, he only had that one big year. But I feel like if Danny Enos would have coached him the previous two years, he would have had an incredible year, uh, incredible seasons that way, too. So, you know, I may put Brandon Allen in there. Tyler Wilson, I know, gets a lot of run there, too. But I guess, OK, I guess if you're going to put it, uh, me to the spot, I'm going to say Brandon Allen's at number two. All right. And, you know, people are going to yell at me for that. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. It's my opinion. Again, if I'm just talking about a quarterback who has all the skill sets of what a quarterback needs or could uh, do some real great things, I'd probably go with Brandon Allen and just his quarterback skill set. And then after that, you know, I may have KJ Jefferson, honestly, at this point in time. And if KJ Jefferson has a big season this year, which is very possible and he might do, I'll have him at number two. I don't, th I think he would have to do so much to pass Ryan Mallett. Like, not only would he have to have like a 10 year, se a 10 win season. But you would have to like break a bunch of records, be in the Heisman contention, you know, something like that to really, you know, set himself apart, which is possible. He could do that. But as of right now, I think I have KJ Jefferson as my number, number three quarterback. Uh, and then after that, I mean, as like I said, you throw in uh, Tyler Wilson, throw in Quinn Sterner, throw in Quinn Grovey, throw in Matt Jones, all of that. Uh, Matt Jones is just like, it's, it's tough for me because again, if we're talking about just quarterback skill sets, I don't think Matt Jones had the best quarterback kills, skill set. But the dude was a gamer. And if it was like game on the line, who do you want the ball in the hands of? I, my, Matt Jones is my number one guy. Like if the game's on the line and you need to play, I'm going with Matt Jones. Like that, he's, the, he's a gamer. But if you're just talking about quarterback skill sets, I, I wouldn't have him as high. So 
know I kind of beat around the bush there on that question, but still, I just wanted to answer that and say that, hey, KJ right now, I think he's my number three, could be my number two. And if he has the best year that you'd ever see, I'd probably move him up to number one there too. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Also, shout out, happy Valentine's Day to you, Elizabeth. It's going to be our first Valentine's Day together. So we'll see how that goes. Wish me luck. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.